A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's Tuesday, 24th of September. I'm Andy Brassel. She's Jules Breach. And this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Except the, the, the rules, I have nothing to say too, too much. Coming up today, we'll be discussing Crystal Palace and the walking dead of the Premier League. Oh, spooky. It's not even October yet. We'll be discussing Leicester. Can they realistically aim for third place in the Premier League? You bet they can. And do you know what? We're going to have to have a very important discussion to round off along with your email. In the old days, the flag would go up, you'd realise you were offside, you think, oh well, you'd shrug your shoulders, you'd get on with the game. How was your weekend, Jules? I have had a really busy weekend, just working at BT Sport on Saturday, covering the score while Mark Pugach is off doing the Rugby World Cup. You are very much captain of the ship. I am, which is really exciting. I had a really good day, although it's tough when you've got three Premier League games kicking off at three o'clock and the first one was over in 15 minutes. Man City 5-0 up. It was ridiculous. Mm. And uh, the rest of my weekend, I spent Sunday morning in a muddy field. There's yes. a reason for it. There is a reason for it. I was watching my other half do Tough Mudder. For anyone that doesn't know what this is, it's basically an obstacle course, which is horrific. I would not advise it for anyone. He went in clean as a whistle, came out completely covered, head to toe in mud, and had been electrocuted on the way. But given, sound like fun. Given there are only three Premier League games on the Saturday, it's pretty <laughs> much what you did on the Saturday. So it's only fair. That is true. Both halves of the relationship have to pull in the same direction. They do. That, they that do. is, How is was what yours? it's all about. Yeah, it was it was all right. Um, I, I, we're never mentioning Wimbledon on this ever again. I'm not, I, I didn't I think bring that's, it up. Uh, the, the, the main thing. Um, I, I've noticed you've thrown Manchester City under the bus, blaming them for your Saturday difficulties. <laughs> Finishing well, look, that game already. City fans are very paranoid. By the way, if you want to direct anything specifically to Jules, I'll see it as well. Uh, obviously, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. There's got to be one negative to an 8-0 victory, hasn't there? And that's it. It made yeah. my Saturday afternoon more difficult because there was less to talk about. 
What, what do you reckon Kike Sanchez Flores' last words were before he sent them out? Come on, lads, it's your cup final. <laughs> yeah, what, 6-0? Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been it, eh? Well, do you know what? We could talk about Manchester City and how the Premier League's going in a certain direction, how it's maybe going closer towards other European leagues. I mean, I would think that's a, a, a bit early to go in that direction to talk about is it uncompetitive? Well, you know what? It's not uncompetitive between Manchester City and Liverpool. It's very competitive and I'm sure it will continue to be. But those two breaking away is making people soul search about the very nature of the, the, the Premier League, isn't it? For me, that's not the biggest concern. I feel this is something cyclical. And at the moment, to have two teams this good in the Premier League, I generally think it's something to be celebrated. It's, it's, it's a pretty good thing. What concerns me a little more, Jules, is the fact that there are this sort of walking dead in the bottom third, bottom half of, of the Premier League, I think. And it's not a new thing. I mean, you know, you look at Newcastle United, for example, finished 10th and 13th in the last two seasons, but were battling relegation for most of the way. To say it was comfortable is a complete misrepresentation of the truth. And I thought about this when I was watching the highlights from Crystal Palace versus Wolves yesterday. And obviously it wasn't the headline match of the Sunday. But I think you look at Crystal Palace, it's just down the road from me in South London, and you just wonder what sort of experience is it for the fans that go there? Because there was a really interesting article in The Athletic this week where they were talking about um, spending some time with the Homestead fanatics. And round, round my manor, you see their stickers on lampposts and bus stops. And, you know, they've really added something to the Premier League, the Homestead fanatics. It's absolutely fantastic what they've done to Selhurst Park, which was never particularly glamorous or nice ground. It's, it's not particularly fan-friendly, I, I, I don't feel. Um, I think you'd have to be a Palace fan to feel some love for Selhurst Park. But the way that we perceive Selhurst Park in in the last, what, six, seven years that Palace have been in the Premier League has really changed because of them. But what this article said is, okay, the Homesdale Fanatics are noisy, but what about the other three sides of the ground? And I just wonder if part of that is Palace feel kind of stuck, don't they? I think even more interesting, where do you see Palace in four or five years' time? Because that's the thing, isn't it? I remember talking with a mate a while back, this this was some years ago now, when Charlton were in the Premier League and he's a Charlton fan and I was, I was speaking to him at the start of the season and um, I asked him if he was going to the game and he, on, on the weekend when the season was just starting he said, oh no, I gave my season ticket up. No way. Uh, and uh, I said, why is that? And he said, oh, it's boring finishing seventh in the Premier League every year. And isn't it funny now that the seventh in the Premier League is this holy grail that Watford and Wolves and Leicester were, were, were going for. And Palace aren't at that point yet. They're they're not at that point to push for that. And I dare say, even if they went and got a, a top striker in, in in January, they wouldn't be at that that point either. And I, I suppose you know you look at Wolves and then playing them yesterday. You wonder is seventh something to be to be fighting for a, a, anyway? Because it's it's the two sides of the coin, really, isn't it? You know, we, we talk about how you need something more than a solid Premier League finish, but of course Wolves who do have ambitions to be regularly in European football. So they're in a slightly different boat to Palace, I, I, I think we could say. And it's clear they're, they're well-funded and there's direction and there's ambition and all that sort of stuff. But they're going through a tricky little phase. And I'm sure there'll be Wolves fans out there thinking, 
oh, I'm a bit worried that we haven't got any Premier League results so far just because we've put so much into this European campaign. And, you know, if they'd have ended up losing that game at, at Palace yesterday, which, you know, they're a hair's breadth from doing, if you get to the end of that first week in the Europa League proper and they played pretty well against Braga and lost, and then they played pretty well in the first half against Palace and almost ended up losing. If, if there are two losses, you know, do you think about, you know, maybe we should realign our ambitions? A hundred percent. And I think that we saw that with Burnley as well last year when they got into Europe and it really derailed their Premier League season. This year, we're, we're seeing that with Wolves. I mean, they're better set than most as well, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with, with Crystal Palace, I, I reckon, I'm just going to throw it out there. I reckon at the start of the season, because as football fans... We all love football and watch football and support our teams for lots of different reasons. But one of those reasons is we live for the hope, don't we? You just hope that they're going to surprise you one season and do something that you're not expecting. Exactly. And that's why transfer deadline days are always, always such a big thing. I mean, I know some people turn their noses up at it and say, well, well, it's, it's not about the football. But it emphatically is about the football, isn't it? Because when you're watching that little yellow ticker... You're just hoping... You're you're thinking a player is going to turn up who could just make your team that little bit better, who could push you over the top, whether it's for staying up or winning something, or even even just going two or three places up in the the, the table and providing a few of those afternoons, a few of those moments that that you're talking about. So I don't think it's, it's such a bad thing at all. No, and I think for Palace, maybe at the start of the season, it was, oh, I wonder whether we could sneak into the top half of the table this season. I reckon maybe that's where Palace are at at the moment. But there's another several teams like that around them that also mm. felt the same. I'm not going to lie, even as a Brighton fan, and we've not had the longevity that Crystal Palace have had in the league, but at, after our first game, beating Watford 3-0, I thought, Ooh, oh, hello, one game in, top half of the table? Obviously, that's all gone away now because we've not won since then, so uh, and slightly cause, different. Because Florian Andone's chipped off as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he had a good debut for uh, Galatasaray at the weekend. I'm not interested anymore. Now he's gone. Uh, he's he's not interested <laughs> either. He's he's having a great time out there as Falcao's locum. <laughs> Two nil up or one nil up, uh, I think are, are fantastic. But um, and then in some point the games uh, turn uh, again us. Uh, that happened in, in many games, and of course uh, that disappointed. We need to judge, analyze, and to see what happened and and try to to improve. It's Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us each and every week. Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com is the email address and we'll get to some of your emails later. You know what else you can do? You can go and see the Football Ramble live at the moment. I'm going to see them later this week at Hackney, actually. I'm really looking forward to it. Are you going along? I'm going to go on Saturday. I'm going to go to Ali Pali for two reasons. One... The show's going to be hilarious and you have to get yourselves there. And two, I've never been to Ali Pali before and I'm really looking forward to going. Oh my God, the food court is You've different level. You've been saying level. about this. It's, it's, it's really special. Also, if you get there early enough, uh, I mean, it's still quite light, obviously. You can have a round of golf. Uh, what? Well, they've got a pitching putt, so you can have nine holes with an incredible view of London. Then get yourself in there, have a bit of grub and uh, enjoy the lads. Do they have chicken wings? Let's hope so. <laughs> Lots of people, by the way, were messaging me last week about my pizza in Naples because you did say to me, make sure you go and have a pizza. Yes. I had five. Not to myself. <laughs> not to myself. Don't worry, I'm not a pig. Uh, well, I'm a bit of a pig. But uh, there's a team, judge you. team of five of us. Uh, we ordered five pizzas, stuck them in the middle of the table, shared so that we could all have a taste of everything. It was oh, so good. Do you know, I was going to message you and tell you right near the stadium, right near the San Paolo, uh, me and photographer Sam, last time we went there, we went to an incredible 
burger place but i kind of i was just halfway through messaging you and i thought it's kind of sacrilegious isn't it to <laughs> like recommend a burger burgers place. but yeah if you want to get involved with uh, the ramble live and without food court or mm. you know wherever your local show is they're playing all over the country and they're ended up in north america ramblelive.com where you can get tickets there's not that many left so get stuck in if i were you it's going to be good uh, let's talk about leicester city now andy because They've just they've started the season so well and it was another performance from them on Saturday against Tottenham. 1-0 down, they came back and beat them. They're now third in the Premier League table and Brendan Rodgers has been excellent since he took over. Since his since he actually started managing Leicester in March, only Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea have got more points than Leicester City. It's pretty astonishing and you know, we were talking about um, Emil Heskey joining Liverpool the other week, weren't we? And the, the the fact that, you know, you have that sense of of when a player's ready to step up. Now, of course, he did some amazing things with Celtic. But in terms of league, it was clear that Rodgers was ready to do that again. And as well as him being ready to do that, I think Leicester were ready for him. He has been the beneficiary of very smart recruitment before him. I mean, the squad he inherited was was pretty special. You know, he's several steps ahead of what Ranieri inherited or what Nigel Pearson inherited or or, or any of those guys. I mean, you look, you know, you talked about the, the, the talent that, that Palace have. I mean, Leicester are, are several steps ahead of that. So, you know, of course you think of uh, Jamie Vardy from when, when they won the title. Of course, no, no Kante and, and Mares anymore. But then you look at the other players that have have, have come in and look at uh, Ricardo is absolutely immense for them. Uh, Soyuncu, who is, th- that is a good example of great planning, I, I think, in the case of Leicester because they bought him knowing he was going to replace Maguire. They had that period of handover because they know how difficult it is for defenders to adapt to the Premier League. a lot League. of money as well, didn't they, they? They did, but if you buy him and you buy him at the time that Maguire goes... You put him in, he struggles with the Premier League initially and you get so so many fewer chances if you're a defender than you are as a forward player. If you're a forward player in the Premier League, you can score a couple of goals and people don't really notice about your all-round game. If you make a mistake as a defender, it's, it's probably going to cost you the game. So the, the, the way they handled it and the way he got like, fed in like gradually while Maguire was still there and now he's gone and now Soyuncu is is ready I mean that that is that is excellent planning they've played that one absolutely perfectly Leicester haven't they and I think because Harry Maguire's departure was such a high profile transfer this summer all the talk was oh how are they gonna how are they gonna manage this how how are Leicester gonna cope without him they didn't bring anyone new in. Well, that's right, the, because the, they were linked with other players. Exactly. and they were, they were quoted, understandably, absolutely crazy mm-hmm. prices. But they weren't in a situation where they were forced to pay them, they were they? They didn't need to. They knew what they had in Soenju, and they, they've got themselves a ball-playing centre-back. I think he's been... With great hair. With awesome hair. He's just been excellent for Leicester this season. And that, for me, looking on, was one of the areas I was slightly worried about when we talk about are Leicester good enough to get into the top six this season Mm. I think now and I know it's early days but could we actually 
put Leicester in a bracket of saying, could they break into the top four? Because we've seen the way Arsenal have been very inconsistent and have a lot of defensive issues. Tottenham haven't started the season particularly well. And there's a funny vibe about them, isn't there? Yeah, and Ma- Manchester United is a whole nother conversation for another day. Yeah, You look at those three teams, really, for me, underperforming. And then on top of that, you've got Chelsea, who I think are actually playing really well, but unfortunately have just slipped up defensively and 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 perhaps not been so disciplined in their games and, and not consistent for 90 minutes. And I'm, that's their biggest problem. I mean, with Chelsea, they're playing fun football. Yeah, they're, they they're, are. They're, I, I don't know if they're playing football that makes me think they're definitely going to finish in the top four. I mean, I, I don't no. think that's the case. But I think you're right. I think it has opened up for for, for Leicester. And, you know, I, I think, again, on, on the ramble, Jim was saying, you know, they're not going to do what they did when they went and won the title. And that's absolutely right. They're not. But I think, arguably, for them to finish in the top four, in its way, would almost be a superior achievement. Because when Leicester won the title, they got on a run. They had every other top team like tripping over themselves to make a mess of it. Mm. It was the league title that no one wanted to win until Leicester decided in about March, you know what, it's there, we're going to have it. And they were the ones who were brave enough to get their heads down. They were well drilled enough to win and win and win with all the, all those one nils. But the reaction to that in the Premier League was every other big noise deciding, all right, that's not going to happen again. So it wasn't just that Leicester naturally took a step back. That is the point at which not just the top four, but the top six of the Premier League becomes a completely closed shop. So for another team to find a way to chip into it and Leicester to find their way to chip back into it. I still think top six would be a really great achievement for them when you look at the the resources of the teams that are in there at the moment and the fact that they would have to displace a Manchester United or an Arsenal. But if they were to displace United, Arsenal and Chelsea and find their way into the top four, that would be an incredible achievement. I think even it, it seems more realistic now we've seen them for a little bit this season. You know, they look strong they look strong in the big games and even when they lost at at United United winning that kind of felt like like when I was watching Wimbledon chisel out a cup game (laughs) against a superior team like when Wimbledon beat Manchester United in the FA Cup in 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 1997 in in, in a replay it felt a little bit like that really you know that style wasn't what it was all about which is what it's always been about for Manchester United it was just about finding a way to win and the fact that Leicester walked away from that Ah, oh, how do we let that get away? To me, that shows how far they've come in a in a very short time, exactly where their ambitions are. And looking at the comparisons between particularly that Manchester United squad that played Leicester a mm. couple of weekends ago, bar maybe one or two players, and I'm talking probably goalkeeper, Harry Maguire, maybe Marcus Rashford, I think I would pick every other player in that Leicester City squad over the the players that were available mm. to play in that Manchester United game. And that's the difference is that with Leicester, you've got a really well-balanced squad, a squad that I think are talented enough to break into the top six this year. And I think because they won the Premier League just a few seasons ago, there's a really nice feeling from the fans as well that it's actually... It's doable. They've mm. tasted success quite recently at 
the very highest level. So for them, it's not unheard of. It's not, oh, there's no way we'll get into the top six. I think right now they'll be looking at themselves third in the table and they'll be saying, with the way everyone else is playing, with the squad we have, with the talent we have, we've got a out-and-out goal scorer in our team like Jamie Vardy. We've got an impressive young English talent in James Madison, who I'm so delighted got his goal against um, Tottenham at the weekend yeah. because he's been playing so well and he's actually been quite unlucky not to have scored yet. And he even said it himself in the post-match interview. He said, I think I wrote a stat about myself saying that I was the player with the most shots at goal that hadn't yet scored yet. So I'm glad that one's out the window now. And it, he just was so delighted and so happy. And he'll be knocking on the door to Gareth Southgate for his first England cap soon and more importantly mugged off Jeremy Clarkson on Twitter recently <laughs> he did that was so good so you know for me they've got they've got it all and I think they absolutely have the ability to break into the top six top four might just be a little bit far this season depending on how the other teams pick up form but yeah. I don't I'm not saying it's completely it's not a bogus idea I, I yeah I could put a bet on that why not I, I mean are you saying that when you talked about the feeling around the the, the club and the feeling from the supporters, do you think that gives the players a bit more of a sense of, n- not negative expectation, but expectation of, yeah, this is possible, like almost inspired by their environment? Because Leicester does feel like a club that's set for success now, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think that positivity from fans does translate onto the pitch mm. to the players because if they're feeling positivity from their supporters, particularly at those home games and when they get the travelling support up and down the country, that must spur them on to to reach higher heights and, and get back to kind of achieving things like the year they won the title. It was incre- an incredible, incredible thing that they did. I think that they've got it all to be able to get into that top six, top four. 1 size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. In the old days, the flag would go up, you'd realise you were offside, you think, oh well, you shrug your shoulders, you'd get on with the game. Now, yes. now you go full you celebrate, you yeah. get all the emotion Adrenaline. of that, yeah. you get back and you think, wow, we're 2 0 up now, we'll see this out. Although, though with Spurs, that's never quite certain. You know, you know what? We talked about it at the top of the show, we flagged it at the top of the show. Um, we're going to have to mention one aspect of, of this Leicester versus Tottenham game. Uh, the, the the whole Serge Aurier goal being mm. wiped off. People are very angsty about this. 
What's your view on it? Because you've been you've been talking VAR today, haven't you? I have. I've been doing the weekend review for Premier League TV, and I had Chris Foy with me, uh, ex Premier League referee. So I've I've heard it from all sides because all weekend on BT Sport we had Peter Walton, ex referee, in the studio with us, and of course lots of ex footballers that all have their say on on VAR. And then today also hearing from Chris Foy's perspective on it. Look, when it comes to offside, I don't have a problem with the way it's been implemented in terms of VAR in the Premier League this season. Even with the possibility, as in this case, where there's potential margin for error? It's millimetres, isn't it? It was close, but the, the, but the fact is, when it comes to offside, you're either offside or you're not. Mm. It's, it's factual. When you look at those lines that they draw on, as soon as you understand exactly how that all works, you can see it, it is fact. You're either onside or you're offside. Well, and there has to be a line somewhere. There has to be a line somewhere. There's the way that the, the law is written for the offside rule. Mm. VAR is dealing with it perfectly. And now the way I see it is you will no longer ever, as a football fan see another offside goal in the Premier League. And that means we have clearly got somewhere with technology. Yeah. Because before this, you could argue, oh, sometimes, oh, is it a little bit, oh, is it a little bit offside? Oh, that's offside. Oh, but that's annoying that it's offside. Of course it's annoying. When you look at that, it's, it is so close, but it's offside. It's yeah. factual. You can see from the way the lines are drawn. That is fact. He is offside. The tiny contentious point of offside at the moment is to do with when the ball leaves the foot of the player that passes it into the striker. Yeah. That is the part that is slightly blurry at the moment, but the technology will continue to get better. The point still remains. It's consistent for every single offside decision. You can see factually it's either onside or it's offside. Some days they'll go your way. Some days they won't. But as I said, you will no longer see an offside goal in the Premier League and that's consistent across the board. Yeah, and um, when you talk about technology improving, I mean, thank God it's not in standard definition anymore. <laughs> that's, that's, the <laughs> that's, way, that's the way to look at it. It'll, be, it'll be 4K all over before we know about it, or 5K. Yeah. 5K? The, the, yeah, the 5K. I think I, I, all these different Ks, I don't even get it. But it'll but be clearer. It's good. Good, good quality picture. Um, the part of VAR that I am still struggling with and a lot of people are is this threshold where the VAR doesn't seem to get involved in decisions it's funny when should, they really should. It's funny you should say that actually, Jules, because we've had some correspondence, like I said, if you want to get involved, uh, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Um, it's from Jason Banks. Hello, Jason. It says, hi, watching the Liverpool-Newcastle matches, Joel Matip was hauled down mm -hmm. for a blatant pen that wasn't given. We were reminded of the high bar, in inverted commas, uh, from VAR for not overturning on-field decisions. If we accept that, why is the same high bar not used for handball or offside decisions? High-profile goals from uh, Gabriel Jesus versus West Ham and versus Tottenham are perfect examples. They were they were not clear or obvious errors, so why does the on-field decision get overturned? Thanks for a great podcast. Loving it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Uh, back to the Liverpool one. That, for me, was a 100% penalty, and that is exactly the thing that annoys me. There were, all, there were another three this weekend, if we think back to Friday night, there was Josh King. He should have had a penalty. It was a mm. blatant foul in the box. Um, the worst one for me, there was Ashley Barnes 
I thought that was a penalty as well for Burnley. And then the worst one for me, and I really, really do feel for Aston Villa fans right now. And I've, I've got a, a, a mate who's a Villa fan who's just furious because he feels like they're all going against him at the moment. Yeah. That was 100% handball from Socrates in that game. And no, but that... hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The, the one thing we've got to underline here is Socrates' sad face when something <laughs> goes wrong. Like at Watford. I mean, I had enough of Genduzzi's sad face yesterday <laughs> yeah, during that dur- during that Villa game. Oh, but Socrates, it, it gets you right here. I'm touching my heart, Didn't listeners. Didn't get me. Didn't get me at all. <laughs> no, it was 100%. Facts is facts. It's a handball. <laughs> it was... And there's no way that you can look at that. I don't care who you support. Arsenal fans, if you're going to tell me that is not a handball, you're lying to yourself. If that goes the other way, you are screaming for a penalty. You know what that was? That was an amateur version of Stephen Taylor for Newcastle against Aston Villa <laughs> on the line all those years ago, where, you know, you're talking about electrocuting on uh, on, on the tough mudder. Yeah. That was Stephen Taylor, wasn't it? All, all, those, it was. all those years back. But Socrates did that thing where he put his arm out, it hit his arm, and then he moved his body back yeah. to, to, to make it look as if it was involuntary. Which is one of the slyest bits of cheating yeah. you can get. Interestingly, and here's where VAR annoys me and where, where it, it, it just gets me because Chris Foy said he understands why that wasn't overturned by VAR and I just I, I do not get it because for me that is as clear and obvious an error as you will get. And his explanation for it, Andy, was that well, it took. It would potentially take three or four views to see whether it definitely hit his arm and not his chest because of the angle that yes. the cameras are kind of catching it at. I see what he means, but the point is, is that by the time you've looked at it three or four times, you can see it hits his arm. So it's a handball. It is a handball. So how can that not be given? And it goes back to this whole threshold thing. And I think that, they need to lower this thresh, this invisible threshold because the, the, at the, the moment it's way too high. The, the problem for me is at the moment it's too weighted to the authority or the feelings mm. of the on-pitch referee. Yeah. Frankly, who cares? No one cares as it's, long as the right decision It's a collaborative made. effort. And for me, I, it was interesting. I was talking to Andy Jacobs on TalkSport. He's a Chelsea t- a season ticket holder about this earlier. And he was saying with the Chelsea disallowed goal, the, the Aspilicueta disallowed goal, he was saying he, he just had no idea what was going on. He said it was a really unsatisfactory yeah. experience mm. inside the ground. He, he was uh, texting Paul Hawksby to, to say, what's going on? That is a ridiculous situation. You don't and, want you know, people come every week and they pay a lot of money and make a lot of sacrifices to, to, to get into the stadium. And then they're faced with that. Because at the moment, I, I, I say this again and again, there's a massive difference between being seen to do the right thing and actually doing the right thing. At the moment, the way it's presented is as if they're letting the fans know what's going on inside the stadium. That doesn't necessarily mean, just because the fans know something's going on inside mm, the stadium. It's not enough. They, that, that doesn't mean it's a good experience for the fans. For me, a good experience for the fans, and one that I think is consistent, can be consistent with VAR, I don't think the referee has to be involved at all. I'm happy that there's no monitor at the side of the pitch. I think that's something that is just for show and I don't think that necessarily helps the referee. I don't think it helps the on-pitch referee. And I do think 
if there's something that is clear and obvious, and you know what, we can bring offside into that because, as you say, it's definite or it's not, it's, it's, it's pretty binary. Mm. I think all the referee needs to do is just say, look, this is a mistake, fix it. Then there's no lag. I think even if you're talking about looking at something that's like you need to watch four replays, example, for example, to be absolutely sure, what's that going to take? A minute? tops at the moment the lag is absolutely unacceptable especially for those fans inside the stadium and for me a good experience part of the part of the watching a football experience live is not seeing absolutely everything if you want that watch Watch the game at home Mm. on on tv it's about there being and people have talked about it again and again passion spontaneity and a flow to the game the best way of keeping the flow to the game is just to get the off-field off, uh, officials, the, the, the VAR, to just say, look, here's a mistake, fix it. And then that totally cuts the lag. And that, for me, is a better experience for the people inside the stadium. And it's a better game of football. That is the problem, is that the VARs at the moment, it feels as though to us lot, who obviously aren't sat in Stockley Park's VAR room, it feels as though they don't want to overrule the referee because the ref- we want to keep it so that the referees are still the most important official. But that's the biggest problem because the technology is meant to be there so that they can correct any decisions that the on-field referee hasn't spotted or has got wrong. Yeah, well, why, should, why should the referee be seeing everything? It's totally unrealistic. And the fact is that the sport has advanced physically and it's so much quicker and it's so much more athletic. And also, technology's advanced. There are 36 cameras in the stadium. So let's work together to make the game better. That's what it should all be about. Yeah, and I also feel that there must be psychologically an element of, from the on-field referee of, well, if I'm not sure, do you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to award a penalty there because VAR will tell me if I've got it wrong. Mm. So I think there's almost an element of shying away from pointing to the spot or shying away from certain close decisions yeah, maybe. because actually they know that if they've got it wrong it's all right VAR will tell me and the problem is at the moment is they're not telling the referee mm. they're just going oh well actually that one could be subjective so do you know what I'll, I'll hold off of of saying anything with this one but but I think you you talked about the monitors on the side of the pitch yes I get I completely take your point on that would disrupt the flow of the game mm. but I think with those three particular penalties that I talked about from this weekend, Josh King, Ashley Barnes and Aston Villa for the Socrates handball. In those three occasions, I think if the referee on the pitch went to the monitor and had another look at it, those penalties would have been awarded. Yeah. And it's starving us of goals. We want to see more goals. Yes, they're from the spot. We want to see more goals. Yeah, we don't all want to see them scored by Luka Milivojevic <laughs> going back to the beginning and Crystal Palace. Funny theory. enough, he's still not yet to get one, is he? No, because someone said to me at the start of the season, I think it was uh, Bruce Millington from the Racing Post, he said, I bet you there's loads of penalties at the start of the season. I, th- I think he had a couple of quid on Milivojevic to be Premier League top scorer yeah. and he was going to cash out late, not, later on. Not uh, quite worked out that way, has it? 
No, no, it, it hasn't. But we are back where, where we started. And um, it's been very enjoyable as always. Thank you so much for your correspondence uh, um, and your kind words, uh, both on the email, as we said, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com and on the Twitter. I'm Andy at Andy Brassel. You're at Jules Breach. Couldn't be easier, could it? Couldn't be easier. Thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for listening once again. Have a lovely week and we'll see you next time. This was a Stakhanov production. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.